put some of those on. Got it? Thank you. I need a little bit of help up here. <laughs> well, good morning once again. Let me just drop my notes as well. Thank you, Lala. All right. It feels like it's been kind of uh, a tired morning out here. It's been, uh, everybody looks like they're maybe just a little sleepy, not so sure. Maybe it's just hot, something like that. But uh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord again. And my name's Keith Kendick. If uh, you haven't been at AIC before, I'm one of the elders serving here at Alliance International Church. And nervously, I have uh, an opportunity to speak to, uh, to you guys this morning in Mike's absence while he's back in the United States taking care of some family matters. So this morning, I wanted to just take an opportunity to share with you a scripture that God's been laying on my heart for a while. But before I do that, I just want to say, we're people that like stories, aren't we? All of us love to probably hear stories. And maybe there's somebody in your family, or maybe one of you is like a really good storyteller. And when you tell a story, even if it's like how I opened a can of soup, everybody's on their you know, looking and seeing, wow, that was pretty cool, you know. So it's always good to have a good storyteller, you know, and to be good at it. In fact, I think all of us really like to tell stories. All of you who post everything on Facebook, by far and large, you know, what you ate this morning for breakfast, what you're going to have for lunch, where you've been, where you go, we, you tell that story and you post it on Facebook. So all of you that are really good Facebook people love to tell stories, love to share stories. You know what the best place to find the greatest story ever told, of course, is in Scripture, is in the Bible. God's Word is the greatest story ever told. That's where we need to look. That's where we need to focus when we want to look at stories. And if I was to walk around this morning with a microphone and kind of hand it to everybody and they could say, there's a story in Scripture that really has spoken to me. I would hear, oh, I like stories about Moses or Abraham and Isaac or David and Goliath, any number of stories that you've had a chance to read in Scripture and come to know, you've learned from it, you've grown through it, and you enjoy reading those stories. They're powerful. So whenever we get to look in God's Word and look at stories, there's, it's, it's something that's unique for us, and God gives us these stories for reasons. Now, the one we're going to look at this morning is the one that's got to be very familiar, and I hope is to all of you, and it's found, the one that we're going to look at is in Matthew 14, 22 to 32. This is the one that's found, this particular story is found in three of the four Gospels, but Matthew gives us the most complete account of this particular uh, story of what's going on. And this is Jesus walking on the water. And I hope it's real familiar to you. But when you look at stories, whenever you even hear stories, or you read them in different, in different novels or something, you put yourself into the story. And that's what's important. As you look at Scripture, always, I always gain more from it. When you imagine you're there, you're part of what's going on, and you're trying to figure out, what would I have said? What would have been my reaction to what is going on in any particular story in Scripture? And you gain a whole lot as whenever you open God's Word, you just don't look at it from the outside in. You put yourself into the story. And it's always good to do that. So we're going to do that this morning. We're going to look at this passage of Jesus walking on the water. And I want you to imagine that you're there. You all, I mean, if I could, I'd pass out life jackets or something. We're all going to get in the boat. And we're going to go out and we're going to find and go through this. It's only like 10 verses, but it's a powerful story for us. So I'm going to read through it. And then it'll be up here for you. This is from the NIV version. Then we'll go back and kind of unpack it a little bit more. 
It says immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Before we unpack this a little bit, let's, let's just pray. Lord, we thank you that we always have the opportunity to open your powerful word. It is the greatest story ever told. And Lord, as we walk through this story of you walking on the water, Lord, uh, I just pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, and be reminded one more time of your glory, your power, and who you are. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen. And this particular, this, the start of this says immediately, Jesus, excuse me, dis- hurried the disciples into a boat. Now, if you look a little bit ahead of this, the, some of the, this has been a big, big day in the life of the, these disciples and Jesus. You read a little bit ahead of this, it's, a, it's an amazing day. It's, it's just been a long day, and it's going to continue on. What Jesus has done already up to this immediately, he gets them in the boat, is the disciples had an opportunity to witness Christ do some fantastic things to a, a large crowd. They had gathered. They knew that Jesus was coming to this particular area, and they met him. They were ahead. They were waiting for Jesus to come. And when he came, Scripture says he had compassion on them. And when he got there, there were people that needed healed, and Jesus healed them. There were people that that he spoke to and prayed with, and he did that. It was a powerful day. And then also, after a time of doing that, more toward the evening, there was the feeding of the 5,000 which was a whole lot more than 5,000 if you look at Scripture and you study like that. So you understand that all this whole day, Jesus has been real busy. The disciples have seen him already do some amazing things. But Jesus, at the, toward the end of the evening, has gone, okay, guys, I want you to get in the boat, hurry up, and I want you to go to the other side. And I imagine the disciples were kind of taken back by that. Why is he, why is he trying to hurry up and get us into the boat? What, what is he doing by making us leave. He, just, he doesn't really give them a lot of explanation. He says, get in the boat and go to the other side. So I think they, they get in the boat, they get in there, and they, and, they, and they start to head out. And I'm sure they were trying to figure out what's going on. Did, did, did Jesus say anything to any of you guys about how he's going to, where he's going to meet up to us again? Where, how he's going to find us? What, what he's going to do? What's going on? No, nobody knows at this point. So Jesus gets them in the boat and they go out. Now, if you look at this passage, you have to think about these 12 guys in the boat. They just get pushed out, and Jesus is going up to the mountainside to pray. Now, they're not going to sit quietly in that boat as they're out there. These are guys. They're going to talk. And it's going to be an interesting conversation. I don't know if you've ever thought about it like that, but I've looked at this passage and I go, 
What would these guys be saying while they're in that boat together? And Jesus just kind of rushed them off and said, go ahead and go. And I imagine a couple of them would say, you know, you know, this morning I never expected to see some of the things that I had seen Jesus do when he came on shore. Do you guys remember that little boy that couldn't walk? Do you remember that little one that just couldn't get around and play with other kids? And Jesus said, he healed him. Or a mom that just was, was in pain or in agony or was suffering from some kind of disease. And Jesus healed her. And he continued to touch people. And they were probably telling stories about, did you see that woman? Did you see that guy? Did you see that little one that Jesus touched while he was healing him this morning? Wasn't that amazing? Isn't Jesus amazing? And they had to have a discussion. Did you see that? Did you see that? That was fantastic to see our Lord, our Savior, Jesus, at work like that. And they got to witness powerful demonstrations of Jesus healing, demonstrating who he is. And I imagine a few stories after that. And then they started to go thinking about, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then this afternoon, this afternoon, when we were trying to get rid of, make the people go home, we tried to convince Jesus to send them all home because there was not any food Jesus said, no, no, you feed them. And I'm sure they were talking about, you know what he meant by that? You know, and they were discussing that, that Jesus had challenged them to feed the 5,000. And they were probably discussing the real numbers. I'm sure they, there was nobody that really knew exactly. Was, I think there was at least 5,000 there. And the other guy said, yeah, maybe you consider the women and the children. 10 to 15,000 were probably there at that, you know, at that big dinner. You know, and they were all watching us, and they gathered around Jesus, and they had to, and they watched him that same day, pretty powerful. You know, said, and you know, I saw him. I forget who it was Philip, I think, or one of them found the five loaves and the two fishes, and he brings that. They bring that to Jesus and go, "Well, we've got this five loaves and two fishes," and Jesus says, "Okay, we'll take, well, we'll feed this these people with this amount of food." Can you imagine being there watching this? The, the baskets with the bread in it. And just two fish. And they had to have been saying, I stood there and I watched him reach into that basket, take out a loaf, break it off. And he was handing it to the disciples. He had them all sit down in groups out there on the hillside. So there he's breaking off another piece of bread and he's putting it in a basket. Breaking off another piece and putting it in a basket. And they had to have said, I watched him do that over and over and over and over again. And he never ran out of bread. He just kept breaking off another piece handing it out. And I know there was only two fish in that basket when we started, but I saw him reach into that basket time again, and there was another fish. And there was another fish. And there was another fish. They had to have been this one. No one can do that other than Jesus. There is nobody that can do that. Did you see this? The fish just kept coming out of that basket time and again. They had to have been talking about that. They had to have just been going back and forth about what their impressions were, what they were thinking. And they had seen Jesus do some amazing things up until the point where he rushes them into the boat to the immediately part. So that's where we're picking up. That's why it's important to look at the background of all scripture. When you start looking at a story, what happened, what was going on, and kind of put yourself in there. Now, scripture doesn't always fill in these little blanks like that, but you know, it's these are people. These are men. These are guys who are going to be discussing the events of the day and sharing what they saw Jesus do. And now they've got more to see coming up. 
So they, they get in the boat. They're heading out, discussing these things. And Jesus goes up on the mountainside to pray, as he often did. He would get alone and just spend time with the Father, talking about the things that, you know, he would be doing, what God had for him to do next, giving him strength. So he's up on the mountainside, and he's praying. Now, it's getting later and later. Remember, this has been a really full day up to this point, and the disciples are out there doing their best to get to the other side. And the passage tells us that it gets pretty windy. Not really stormy, not raining, but it's really windy, and the waves are starting to buffet that boat around, and they aren't getting anywhere. They're out there in the middle of this lake, and it's really, it says it's the Sea of Galilee, but it's really a big lake. It's not that huge of a body of water. They're out, it looks like about, Scripture tells us, if you look at it, about three miles or so. They're out there, and I'm sure they've been out there, and they're fighting the waves, and they're, they're starting to be like men would do. They're probably point finger pointing at each other going, you're not rowing hard enough. You're just not doing anything over there. Maybe they're, you know, they're getting frustrated by their not lack of progress. And it tells us at all that the big thing starts happening. Jesus comes down. He knows where they're at. He can see them from where he's at. You know, and that's amazing. You know, Jesus always knows. He could see that they were out in the water. He could see that they were struggling. And he comes down. And you've got to think about that. Jesus comes down from the mountainside. He gets to the water's edge. And it's not like he's waiting for a water taxi or I hope there was somebody here to row me out there to them or someone was just there waiting for him. He comes down to the water's edge and he just keeps on going. He just walks right out onto the water. How fantastic and amazing it is to to consider that. He He doesn't hesitate. Jesus walks right out onto the water and it's a rough evening. I mean, just consider that, what that looked like and how that was demonstrated. So he's out there, and he's walking out toward the disciples. And they're out there in the boat. They're frustrated. The fourth watch of the evening, I don't know if you're familiar with those watches. The evenings are broken up into four different watches. The fourth one is 3 in the morning till 6 a.m. So it's the middle of the night. After a long day of doing ministry and serving, it's now the middle of the night. Now, these guys are out there. You know, they're all probably getting boat sick or lake sick, if you want to call it like that. And they're a little bit frustrated with their progress. And then, Scripture tells us, they spot somebody out on the water. And they think it's a ghost. And they freak out. They panic. They're terrified. I'm sure they were in there. And you could really say they were screaming. I mean, they were just like, ah, it's it's a ghost. I don't know. What do you think? You know, I'm scared. Maybe they're all ducked down underneath the edge of the boat, and all you see is eyeballs and hair sticking out over the edge of the boat. They're not, they're just kind of, okay. They're not sure who that is. And then Jesus says, take courage. It is I. And then they go, and they're probably going, all right. Not a shining moment for the disciples. I'm sure they were probably not really proud of being afraid and panicking at that particular point. They were probably, I, wasn't, I wasn't afraid. I was, I was okay. I wasn't really that nervous. And they were probably sh- trying to shrug that off, I would imagine, as men. And then Jesus makes the comment, so they know who it is. And then the cool part of this story starts right then. Once they realize it's Jesus... Peter decides it's a really good idea 
to stand up and go, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out to you. Now, that is, he isn't questioning. He knows it's Jesus. It's not a question. He isn't, it isn't like he's still trying to figure out that it's Jesus. He knows that it's Jesus. He said, Lord, if it's you, and he's saying, Lord, I know it's you, and I know you're able. And it's not a test either. This is a moment that Peter, and I'm sure they're at that particular point when Peter stands up and goes, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out to you, and I will. And I bet all of the others, the disciples, turned around and looked at him and went, Peter, are you out of your mind? They had to have a reaction. They had to look at him like, oh, there goes Peter again. Thinking before he asked, you know, he just says stuff. You know, if you know how Peter can be, he'll say something. And not really necessarily think about it all the way through if you look at his, at his history. And this, they were thinking, oh, this is one more time. Peter says something, makes a request. Can I come out there, Lord, to you? And I imagine every one of them, had to, there, there's no telling what their actual thoughts were, but I'm sure they were just like, Peter, Peter, Peter. And you love Jesus' answer. I love this part right here. Jesus doesn't offer any kind of explanation to Peter. He doesn't try and rebuff him. He doesn't try and go, Peter, you know, I don't know. You know, you know what you're talking about. Do you know what you're thinking? It's kind of rough out here. You know, I'm the only one that walks on water. He doesn't make any kind of a comment to Peter other than one word. Come. What would you do with that if that was you? Peter makes this request. It's rough out there. It's the middle of the night. Peter says, I want to come out to you because he knows. He knows that's Christ. And he's willing to demonstrate that, that faith. Now, some people may call that a lack of understanding, maybe, or intellect. Like, are you crazy to go out there on the water? But think about that. Let's dwell on that, that Peter comes up with this idea. He says, I want to come out to you, Lord. Jesus says, okay, come. So he steps over the rest of the disciples, works his way out to the edge of the boat. And maybe he sat there for a second. And maybe he sat here on the edge of the boat for just a second. And he's looking right at Jesus. He's focused right on him. He sees him out there in the distance. Maybe he sat there for a second. But he also didn't say, have a backup plan. Now, some of us may have wanted a backup plan. He doesn't say... I think I saw a life jacket over there. Could you hand me that? I might take it. All those blow-up arm swimmies. I might put some of those on. And Oh, there's a rope over there. Let's tie that around my waist. Just in case things don't go really good, you guys can pull me back in. Peter doesn't make a backup plan. There's no plan B. He decides he's going to do this if Christ says yes. He's willing to go in faith. And that's powerful. There's no backup plan. See, we like to make backup plans. Sometimes we step on faith. If it doesn't work out, I'll do this. Or that's, you know, a bit of a backup plan. Peter just goes. And he sits there on the edge of that boat. I imagine just for a second. And he looks at the water. It's rough. That's doing this. And he's looking at Jesus. And remember, he's a fisherman. That was his, that's his job before being one of the disciples. He had jumped out of boats for his whole life into the water. This time, Peter jumps off the boat onto the water. He doesn't sink. You imagine 
just he, he looks down. I, I am, I'm on the water. I'm not going into the water. I am walking. I am on the water. Can you imagine? And what the disciples are looking at is they see Peter jump off the boat, and he's standing there in the water, not sinking at all. What are they thinking? You know, and that's pretty amazing when you consider that. You know, and some of us, I think, what would we do sometime? Would you just take like a little lap around the boat, kind of keep your arm on the edge? And I want to be sure this works. So I'll take a short lap around the boat, not, not just head right out, just kind of be hesitant. No, Peter doesn't do that. Peter doesn't do that at all. Peter jumps off and he's standing on the water. He is the first human and the only one ever to do that. Jesus did it. So Peter is standing on the water, walking now toward Jesus. And I'm sure the disciples, look, if he would have looked back, and I don't think he did, their jaws would have been as wide open as possible. They would have been just looking at what they are witnessing, in fact, that they see Peter walking on the water toward the Lord. And I'm sure his gaze was fixed right on Jesus. He wasn't looking anywhere else. He didn't look back and kind of, hey, guys, look at me. I don't think he did any of that. I believe he was so focused on what Jesus was doing and walking right toward him in faith. Lord, you told me to come out, and I'm coming toward you, walking toward you. And we don't know how far he really gets. Scripture doesn't tell us. He got a ways. And then he started to really realize people don't walk on water. And he gets scared. He gets nervous about what is happening. He sees the water. He sees the waves. He sees everything. That's, and he realizes he can't walk on water. I can't walk on water. But he also knows that Jesus is the only reason that he could walk on the water. That he had that, Jesus said yes, and he had faith, and he walked toward Jesus. He gets out there a little ways, and he panics. He starts to sink into the water. You know, but who's right there to get him? Just like he's there to get us. Peter probably sinks down a little bit, and he reaches right out, grabs a hold of him, and says, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? You know, and I'm sure Peter remembered that gaze with him and Jesus from then on. He remembered that look on Jesus' face when he reached down and pulled him back out of the water and they started to walk back toward the boat and what it was. But he walked on the water. Now, the, the title of the sermon this morning is What's Your Boat? It's kind of an unusual title, right, for a sermon, What's Your Boat? But I want to ask each one of you, what's your boat? And by that, I mean... You have faith to get out of the boat. If Jesus is asking you to do something, to be a part of something, if you're trusting him as your Lord and Savior, and he says, I want you to do this or be a part of that, well, you get out of the boat. And I would suggest to you, our boats are the things that we put more confidence in than Lord and Jesus, our Savior, that we tend to want to trust more in Maybe it's a job, maybe it's a career, maybe it's money. It could be any number of things that you like to put more faith and trust in than Christ. We need to get out of the boat. 
Peter was the only one that said, Lord, if it's you, you tell me and I'm coming. And he did it. Now, you say, oh, but you know, he sunk too. Well, that's true. He did. And my answer to that would be, it is better to be a follower that fails than to be a follower that fails to follow. It's better to go and trust what only God can do, what Jesus can do, than never get out of the boat, never put your faith in what he can do, not what you can do. Peter knew he couldn't do it. He didn't have the ability. He knew it was only Christ that kept him on that water, that he's able to walk on it, that he had that opportunity. And I encourage each one of you, I challenge you, get out of the boat and trust what God can do in your life. And that may make you nervous. You know, we have a lot of fear sometimes about jumping out and doing something in faith. You know, but once you've done it, if I were to go around and maybe ask some of you, in faith, I did this. I trusted God to, to do only what he could do in this situation. We could have some marvelous testimonies across this whole sanctuary about what God has done and what you've seen him do. Just like the disciples before that day even got started, saw Jesus feed the people, heal people, and do all those things that only he could do. And they witnessed it. They saw it. They were a part of it. And God says, I'll do that in our lives. We're sons and daughters as well. So I encourage each one of you to get out of the boat, to trust what Jesus can do and how he can do it, no matter how nervous you might be about it, no matter how scared you might be. It's powerful to see God at work. It's powerful to see what only he can do. We like to rely on our own selves a lot. You know, we all have that tendency to kind of want to hang on a little bit to our abilities and say, well, I can do this much rather than go, Lord, it's you. It's you who can do it. It is you that I put my faith in. It is you that can take me wherever you want me to go. If he says come, I encourage you to always ask God what he wants you to do next, how he wants to use you, where he's put you, wherever you're at right now, God has a reason for you to be there. He has a purpose for you to be there. He has people in front of you each and every day that need to know who he is. You have the opportunity to get out of the boat, to be a testimony, to be a witness, to be an encourager. And sometimes we don't like to get out of the boat. Don't think of it on the level as you're going to go walk on water. Think of it on those opportunities that God puts in front of you to be involved, to be a servant, to be one of his children, that he's going to be right there. Even as Peter sunk, who was right there to get him? Jesus had his arm pulled him right back out. You know, and just said, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? It wasn't you did it wrong. It was you doubted. Peter didn't do anything wrong. He just doubted. But he got out of the boat. And that's just powerful. And that's what I wanted to share with you guys this morning. As you read scripture, put yourself there. Pray through it. And ask God to give you insight to what he has for you. In each and every day, in each and every opportunity that he gives us as his children. And I'm thankful for this final opportunity to be able to share with you guys. You're even going to get out a little bit early this morning. <laughs> and that's okay. We're thankful, I'm very thankful, for the opportunity to share this story with you. To be a part of this church. To serve here. And Linda and I are grateful for that. 
And I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to see each one of you grow in your faith. I've been, able to, I've been able to see that. But brothers and sisters, I encourage you one more time, get out of the boat. Let God work in your hearts. Let God work in your lives in the way he only can. Let's pray. Lord, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. There is none like you, Father. There is. You are the King of kings, Father. You knit this world together. You place those stars where they're at. You hold this planet in your hand. And you know each one of us personally. You know our hearts. You know our struggles. You know the things, Father, that we wrestle with. And, Lord, I just pray for each one in here. Lord, that you would give us faith, give us strength, give us understanding, and, and we'll get out of the boat. And, Father, entrust you for what only you can do and how you can do it. Lord, that we would just lean not on our own understanding, but only what you can do. Lord, we love you. We want to honor you. We want to serve you and have you receive the glory in all that we would ever do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.